Hello. Hello. Welcome to Dragon Babies. Welcome. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And this week, we are going to be discussing Mort. And Terry Pratchett. This is one of Terry Pratchett's earlier books, regularly cited as one of people's favorite Terry Pratchett books. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also the introduction on a larger scale to Death, who's mm-hmm. one of the best characters I think he's a really great character. Um, it's true. In the universe, in the Discworld universe, um, he death appears in almost every one of Terry Pratchett's books, even if it's just a single line mm-hmm. or um, just a mention of him. Um, but this is the first time where we learned a little bit more about him, and he gets more fleshed out. If you'll pardon my <laughs> puns, since he is a living skeleton. Like you just get the feeling that. I mean, you can tell Terry Pratchett enjoyed writing all of his characters, mm-hmm. but you can tell that he really liked Death a lot, too. Yeah, he has a lot of fun with him. I mm-hmm. mean, Terry Pratchett has fun with just the written word at every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a quote from him saying that he loved Mort because he felt like it was the first Discworld book he'd written where the plot served the characters and it was a plot he was happy with as opposed to his other books he felt like he said he thought that the plot existed just to like make room for jokes <laughs> <laughs> and the jokes were the first priority um and i mean his jokes are wonderful and i'm happy to read books They're that so good. are mainly just little yeah. witty jabs um and commentary on other fantasy and on fairy tales and everything classic tropes everything yeah um that he skewers in a really delightful way do we want to do a summary well we should do our reading of the oh, yes. description from the book jacket shall i read it this time yeah that would be great it's inside the front um dusk cover okay this one's quite short uh Introducing the Discworld's most popular character, the fellow with the white horse and the ultimate weight loss program, Death, (laughs) all in caps. (laughs) Here are three novels featuring Terry. This is a a three novel version uh, featuring Terry Pratchett's A trilogy, some would call it. No, I prefer to go with the classic three novel version. Three novel version. We're going to put that up with quadrangle in terms of our our favorite (laughs) descriptions of book groups. All right, proceed. Um, here are three novels featuring Terry Pratchett's most celebrated denizen of the Discworld, uh, together with the usual motley cast. Uh, the summary for Mort, which is the book that we've done today, uh, this version also includes Reaper Man and Soul Music, uh, but Mort's summary is, Death, having delegated most of his duties to his new apprentice, the uncompromising, gangling teenager Mort, is showing disturbingly human characteristics drinking, dice playing, and becoming curious about the nature of fun, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Ellipses. Wonderful description. Thank Um, you. Well, I meant more the person. (laughs) (laughs) But the reading was great. I loved the reading as well. Performance and material, both. I saw the compliment out there and I just grabbed it. Took it. (laughs) Took it away. Mort was released in 1987. Oh, you, the year you were born. the year of my birth. Um, Happy birthday, Grace. But this book didn't come into my life until I was 11 years old, and I went to summer camp for the first time. Um, I didn't actually read this book at camp, but I was a very shy and awkward preteen, and 
there was a counselor there who was a young man from Scotland and he uh, took an interest in how strange I was Mm -hmm. and asked me questions about what I liked because I never seemed to be that excited about things and I was having a great time at camp I just kept everything very internal Um, and I told him that I liked to read and that was how I spent most of my time Mm -hmm. and then after camp he sent me these huge packages filled with Terry Pratchett books yeah I remember that and it was the first time I had heard of Terry Pratchett um, because I don't think his books were yet popular in the States. So mom wasn't reading them yet? Nope. She discovered them because of I me. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, our mom is number one she Terry Pratchett fan. She, she has, has like an them. entire bookcase that's just yeah. devoted to his work. Um, but yeah, this was how she found out about his work. Cool. Um, that's really cool. I, and I had never really seen it in bookstores. Um, Probably also because it was, well, I guess he did eventually have some young adult books. Yes. That were actually the young Tiffany adult. This one Aking is technically books. just an adult fantasy, like most mm-hmm. of his fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been in the sections that we were necessarily looking at, maybe. I was looking at like adult fantasy stuff at that time. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that, yeah, he just hadn't come into our circle of existence mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> He's smiling at that. Well, I was just thinking of, like, I feel like I need to apologize to mom after I was reading this because she was always, she's always reading Terry Pratchett. I didn't read it until much later, until I was, like, a late teenager, honestly, um, because she was always reading it and, like, stopping, she's cracking up and calling me over and being like, Madeline, Madeline, just read this paragraph. And I'm like, Mom, I can't read one paragraph in this 300-page book and get anything out of it. And she's like, no, no, it's funny, because it would just be one of his asides. Right. And I never you know really paid enough attention and if I had I like because they're just so funny every every joke is funny and they really are standalone mm -hmm. like reference you don't have to know what's going on in this fantasy universe it's just a a total aside Mm -hmm. that's hilarious or like he does footnotes or footnotes inside his footnotes love the detailed footnotes that's one of my favorite literary devices um, especially as a vehicle for jokes I mean David Foster Wallace and Terry Pratchett are my favorite footnoters (laughs) and um, I think the footnotes yeah really enrich the story I know some people get irritated by excessive joke footnotes Mm -hmm. but they are in my wheelhouse I love them and I mean I have terrible novels that I wrote when I was young that are like mostly footnotes <laughs> and it was really hard for me to figure out how to footnote the word document. Um, and usually, well, sometimes it kind of annoys me when, you know, emblazoned on the cover of books, it's talking about the new Tolkien or like mm-hmm. took what Tolkien did and made it better. And I'm like, okay, let's take it easy. The better there. Tolkien. Yeah. Like he <laughs> was ridiculous. the father of modern fantasy. That's a, stupid comparison but I actually really appreciate when they when um, people say that Terry Pratchett was an a sort of evolution of Tolkien Mm -hmm. where he took this like super rich world building and then mixed in several doses of absurdism and craziness Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's really fair like it is it's like a sardonic Tolkien I agree Um, and the way in which the world building is done is so effortless mm-hmm. um, sometimes it is done just to act as a vehicle for a joke mm-hmm. um, as with the like the listeners for mm-hmm. example in this book this group of monks who yeah. 
are listening to the universe to try to hear what the creator said yeah. when it was first uh-huh. um, brought into existence. Yeah. Um, but then there's like a little joke about how you have to climb up a crazy mountain to get to them and the monks are all complaining about how loud you are. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, there's, there's a really tidy world building throughout all of his books mm-hmm. and it's perfect because there's so much to get through when it comes yeah. to discussing what Discworld is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is a flat planet planet. A disc. I'm using yeah. loosely. Mm-hmm. A planetary body um, that rides on four great elephants who stand on the back of the great Atween, mm-hmm. who is the a world turtle. turtle yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just swimming through space. And I think he says near the beginning, like, scientists have said that the probability of anything so absurd existing is, like, nil or something equivalent. And I just really enjoy that he writes straight off the bat. It's like, this is absurd. Well, I actually, that quote is great, and I wrote down the second half of it. Um, It's that scientists estimated that this happening is million to one chance Mm -hmm. and then the next line is magicians have calculated that million to one chances crop up nine times out of (laughs) ten and there is a great battle between science and magic um, in a lot of Discworld books Um, there are other books that are much more concerned with the wizards um, and if you're interested in a lot of funny discussion about Mm -hmm. the nature of magic and the nature of science and how they intersect I would recommend checking out the Rincewind books. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Discworld book I ever read was uh, the first one that Terry Pratchett wrote called The Color of Magic, and mm. that is largely about Rincewind. And it was one of his very first books, if wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was his first book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but death is much more lovable, yeah. and that's why we've chosen to feature uh, one of the death trilogy books in this episode. Um, so should we, uh, do you have any young experience with Terry Pratchett or did you not read until you said later teenage years? I, yeah, I really didn't read much Terry Pratchett at all and I still haven't, um, until my later teenage years. And I actually, you know, when, right after I read this book, I, I was at the bookstore the other day and just like staring at the giant shelf of Terry Pratchett books and I finally calmed myself down because I was starting to work myself up into that sort of bookstore frenzy or like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna spend so much money that I don't have well and (laughs) there's also this feeling of like but I need this yeah this needs to be Uh in my life Um, I managed to talk myself down because I was like no my mother has every single one of these I can borrow them she'll be happy to lend them like I'm not gonna buy them because I'm gonna be doing a lot of Terry Pratchett reading um it's just such a fantastic world Yep, I have loved Discworld since, since I was 11. And I mean, I I hadn't read anything quite like this before. The Death Trilogy copy, the edition that, that Sean, the camp counselor, sent me, um, is a big black hardcover with... Oh, is this actually it? Yep, this oh. is it. With a grotesque painting of death on That's the front. a really fun picture. Um, a lot of Terry Pratchett's early editions have this uh like disgusting exaggerated artwork on the cover um which i I think fits discworld so well because it is just a repulsive smelly Mm -hmm. place that's teeming with life and these illustrations 
have that same feeling. Yeah, there's the always so much would going make on. Really fantastic tattoos, actually. Yeah, there's yeah, there's super super <laughs> Sorry, cool <Mom>. tattoo talk. <laughs> um, but when I first read Discworld books, there was probably more sex than I would have been ready. <laughs> For than I was ready for. Yeah. In some of the other books, there there's much more explicit okay. things than in. Because I was gonna say this, this book is really tame. There's there's a lot of like wink wink. Yeah, and there's like nudge. winky sexy moments. Um, but if I were young and if we were reading these, it would be the kind of thing that just flew right, right yeah. over my head. Goes right over you. Yeah. yeah. And Terry Pratchett has said before that he doesn't consider his books that are termed YA as YA necessarily. Mm -hmm. He feels like everything is, you know, pretty appropriate for most readers and yeah. that the YA books are good for adults, which is true. The Tiffany Aching series is so good. Mm -hmm. um, I've read it as an adult and didn't feel that it was aimed at someone younger than me or well and just like the feeling that you get from his writing is that it's very accessible um it is very intelligent and very fast and i'm sure that i missed many jokes you know in my read through of this just because it's so jam-packed with wit mm -hmm. but in terms of like um explicit uh violence or sex it's just not um it's not a Game of Thrones style, no. <laughs> or a Song of Ice and Fire, I should say. Um, it's nothing like that at all. No, it feels much more classic fantasy in that regard. I enjoy this so much more than a Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, <laughs> for sure, no, for sure. There's no comparison. Like, look, I mean, I, I liked a Song of. I say I liked because I read three of them, and then the show caught up with me, and I was kind of yeah, I have a doubt on it. All um, but it was like scary to read and I know that's why a lot of people like it but I was just always waiting for the next bomb to drop but mm -hmm. Terry Pratchett is not like that <laughs> no I think he writes to entertain primarily and I think that that's really important and something that a lot of fantasy authors I think do lose sight of where they yeah. feel that they need to be really well, epic because they're and trying sweeping. so hard to emulate Lord of the Rings right. that they've forget to you know that they're not Lord of the Rings and they have to bring something new to the table <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no it felt I mean starting to read the Discworld books was so thrilling and yeah I'm, I'm still to this day I haven't read all of Terry Pratchett's books but I'm still mm -hmm. working through them yeah. and each one is so delightful there's so many characters I love the, uh, the witches are also their books are incredible and I highly recommend them since that jacket summary was so brief we'll just detail the book's plot a little bit further um, Mort is a young boy growing up in an agricultural family <laughs> rural <laughs> I don't know why I called it an agricultural family I a dig fa it it's his good. family are farmers and his dad takes him to the market to try to find some kind of apprenticeship for him because Mort is not a good farmer. He has he too many knees. <laughs> too many knees. He's interested in learning about the logic of the universe, not concentrating on the day-to-day -day concrete tasks mm -hmm. involved with most trades. Um, at the same time, Death shows up at the market because he has seen Mort and from, you know, far off and he has decided that it's time for him to have some kind of apprentice of his own. Mm -hmm. So Death takes Mort in and teaches him how to be Death. Really throws him into the deep end, too. Immediately. <laughs> 
because once death has fewer responsibilities, he starts really enjoying the human world. Yeah, or trying to enjoy it. In some parts, really just straight up enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, oh yeah. He, he doesn't has, seem to really get dancing. He doesn't understand <laughs> dancing. He's trying to understand these great human concepts like fun and sadness yeah. and happiness, uh-huh. um, all of which he experiences fleeting moments of, and yeah. that leaves him wanting more. Um, which ultimately plays into the plot of the second book in the death trilogy, Reaper Man. Not to get ahead of myself, but <laughs> Reaper Man is my favorite Terry Pratchett book, so I recommend it. Um, in that, Death does go to work on a farm and live as a human, and mm. his name is Bill Dore. <laughs> that was the only name he could think of. That's really great. <laughs> so, yeah, in back to this book. I'm sorry. Um, death goes to the human world he gets a job as a cook he hangs out with cats and all throughout that time mort is supposed to be handling the day-to-day job of death which needs to continually be carried out or there's going to be issues within reality with people staying alive who should have died and vice versa um and Mort makes a huge mistake early on when he allows a princess who is supposed to be assassinated live. Mm-hmm. Um, actually works very hard to prevent her from dying because reality wants to continue the way it's supposed to, and yeah. Mort has to fight that. So he tries to right his wrongs um, mm-hmm. along with Death's adopted daughter, Isabel, and Death's servant Albert who is actually one of the greatest wizards of all time who disappeared who's trapped in death's reality and much hijinks ensue I will say that as we've mentioned Terry Pratchett's pages are pretty consistently like joke 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 Um, but the things that death says I find funnier than almost anything else Mm -hmm. um and it's because he is really dry and he speaks in small caps, which yeah. is really fun. I love on small caps. Um, and as the book goes on and more becomes more like death and death becomes more like a human, they switch yeah. off in terms uh, of who has small it's caps. It's really fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, death is very lonely, but also has an appreciation for what he imagines friendship and affection might be like. Well, and he just the very fact that he adopted um, Isabel. Mm-hmm. How are we pronouncing her name? Isabel. Isabel. Okay, that's our little sister's name, so that's makes yeah, me feel it, like that's but how the we Y-S-A, should say. It. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, uh, that just the fact that he adopts Isabel shows that he does have some connection. Like he cares in some abstract, mm-hmm. maybe unquantifiable way mm-hmm. about humans that he like took pity on her because she was all alone right he uh went to take her parents after they mm-hmm. died or yeah. you know to it, it's what death does is technically killing people but it's when their hourglasses have run out yeah he really just collects the way people attribute a much more um volitional role to him than mm-hmm. he actually has like it seems like everything's all stitched together by fate and then death just does what fate tells him to do. Well, death says that the gods are the ones who determine who lives and who dies mm-hmm. and how everything's going to work out. Yeah. There are there's a lot of interesting commentary on the nature of life and death mm-hmm. in this book and throughout the death trilogy. Um and I mean Reaper Man gets more into this, but there's hints of it in this book. Um the fact that 
it's actually valuable to have a limited amount of life um, mm -hmm. and that it makes you more appreciative of what is out there in the world. Yeah, and it actually was very, like, I don't know, soothing to me. Like, it's a, it's a good, comfortable, and kind of jovial perspective on death, which is just a very difficult concept to grapple with, something that everyone has to. Um, and it also makes me feel bad because I was, I think that when I first read some Terry Pratchett, it was right after he passed away. Um, and I was. When you first read him? I thought you read him as a teen. Okay, I think it when, was when he was first diagnosed because okay. um, he had Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. uh, anyways, it was about six years ago that I first started reading him. Like, it was fairly recently. Um, so and you it, weren't a teenager. I was almost a teenager. I said a late teen. Um, this is what you tune in for. Podcast lies. <laughs> and sibling squabbling. <laughs> Podcast lies. And... It just makes me feel better because I was so, like, gutted by, like, I don't know, Alzheimer's is horrifying and just the fact that it struck him like that. But knowing that what his outlook was kind of helped me deal mm. with his inevitable death and all of mm. our inevitable deaths. Yeah, and I mean, God, it just goes to show that even the most active mind is not safe, oh, which yeah. is why Alzheimer's is... As horrifying as it is. I was going to say that the nature of death in the afterlife is such that within Morn, within this world, within mm -hmm. the, their universe, um, everyone gets what they think is coming to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is why the monk is reincarnated and the witch becomes a ghost, mm -hmm. a sexy ghost. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I loved that. Um... And there is the repeated phrase that there's no justice, there's just you. Um, so there's also this kind of meaninglessness and in the inevitability of it all. Mm. I mean, it is just random. Yeah. But death also does point out when Mort's like, oh, but that's awful because that means that awful people who believe they're going to do something good mm -hmm. after they die get it, and right. good people who don't will get it as well. And death was like, oh, like, I think it all gets sorted out down the line somewhere. But death isn't really interested in that. No, <laughs> doesn't care. It's the same at the end of the book when he shows Mort his hourglass. Yeah. And uh -huh. Susan, or I'm sorry, not Susan. I got ahead of myself. Susan is Mort's child. Um, <laughs> Isabel turns it over. So then Mort's like, wait, so I'll only get my life over again. And death is like, Math doesn't really matter here. Yeah. You have enough time. Yeah, you'll he just be says, fine. like, you have an enough <laughs> yeah. amount of time. Which is another reason why I love death. I mean, I think there's something so appealing in a character that is outside of it all, mm -hmm. but wants to engage with humans yeah. and provides a perspective that mm -hmm. humans are lacking. Yeah. Because none of them can see the world the way that he does. Yeah. Um, which is... I mean, the moments that they're mostly that Mort spends as death because we don't see death at work a lot mm -hmm. in this book since he's busy um, working as a cook and feeding kittens meat. <laughs> um, I love that death likes cats. Yeah. Oh, it's so perfect. Cats. And cats love him. They flock to him. Which is like, it's such a common trope 
and it's so pr- like this goes age. I mean, there ages hasn't been back. a book we've featured yet <laughs> that hasn't had like wonderful cats in it. I just really enjoy things that are like multicultural and ancient, and cats have always been kind of, you know, at least the depictions of them that I've learned or read about throughout time and especially in the present era Mm -hmm. cats have always been revered and also kind of feared (laughs) that's the way they like it and if you're a cat owner you you understand i'm trying to adopt cats right now so i have like all things cats on the brain and grace has an amazing cat already so she lives that life yeah i do (laughs) there are also great snippets in the book about other um twists of fate where the gods set things up in a way that don't seem to make any sense like the fact the footnote that talks about um the greatest lovers in the history oh, of that world, never meet who were born 200 years apart on yeah. different continents and the gods and it says the gods took pity on them and turned them into an ironing board and like um and uh like non-American yeah it's it's something on a ship I think I looked it up it's like a nautical piece of a ship lost in translation (laughs) um but no which I love because then it totally just makes it sound like the gods are just which is a very like Greek mythology way mm -hmm. of looking at it that Mm -hmm. the gods are like creating threads and stuff but sometimes they screw up and don't connect the threads right. in the way that like had originally right been because planned. there must have been so much work putting into these two right humans projects who would get stalled have been, or abandoned you know fiery and passionate and <laughs> yeah. amazing together but never actually found each other it's like when you spend hours creating the perfect sim house but then you never put a family in it it's exactly like that <laughs> Just leave it as a testament to your work. Not to be unsullied by sim touch. Screw it up. Dogs I'm sorry, sullied, not unsullied. Rolling in all the garbage. Okay. <laughs> I also like the facets of death as a character that make the concept of death a little funnier. Things like the fact that his handwriting isn't gothic. But because he chose because a handwriting, he developed his own handwriting. That after doing some research, he found the way to write that would suggest a well-adjusted personality. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not like particularly good at decorating. Like he definitely has no. Some he has to copy thematics things. going he, he on. He doesn't come up with anything on his yeah. own. Yeah, yeah. Like he's not like this great mastermind of you know creation which makes sense he is death (laughs) and the broccoli growing in his garden is black everything is black (laughs) yeah and the mountains are fuzzy if you go too close to them because they're not like which is reminding me of a video game that's not well rendered (laughs) yeah you come up to the edge and you just can't continue right like a game you get out of a cereal box and you accidentally go into a part that hasn't really been rendered (laughs) yeah it's wonderful a lot of people argue about the order that you should read Discworld books in Mm. and some say it's really important that you follow a set path based on the events of the books or based on the order they were published Um, and others say no you can start anywhere and you really don't need prior knowledge to appreciate the books. So I'm assuming that you feel the second way. 
I yeah, I do feel that way. Um, just the way you presented. I've those. jumped around, and there have only been a few times when I've gotten a little confused. And it was mostly when I was younger, and I just wasn't quite ready for the concept of all that yeah. Discworld had to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that Mort is a really, really good entry point mm-hmm. for anyone who's looking to get into Discworld. Yeah, um, because it takes things a little slower and more simply than a lot of Pratchett's other books do. Like Color of Magic, which is what I read first, was really confusing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because it delved right into wizardry, Mm. um, which is incredibly complex, as as you could probably guess from some of the wizarding rites Mm -hmm. performed, the rites of Ashkent and um, the way that Albert tries to escape. but yes, so if you're hoping to get into Terry Pratchett, Mort is a really good place to start. Speaking of the wizards, part of the wizards deal that I really enjoy is that they're celibate because in a lot of classical fantasy, the wizards are kind of implicitly celibate. Mm-hmm. Like you just know like that the wizards are these asexual beings. But I really enjoy that in these, the wizards are just humans who right. have gone into magic and if they have sex or even like sexual thoughts, their ability to do magic will die because yeah. which makes so much sense in such an intuitive way because like they'll just be distracted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is really enjoyable. I also love the moment of Cutwell accidentally drinking the entire like <laughs> what is it? It's like it's Granny Weatherwax's right? passion. Yeah. And I, I can't remember the full name. It's Jerry Bradgett's too funny for me to try to imitate it. Come <laughs> up. I'm not going to have a, ni- a line that's as good as what he actually wrote. Um, but yeah, I. it's funny because I don't... Like Rincewind, who's the major wizard character in the Discworld books, I don't really like. He's really annoying. I mean, you're not supposed to like him. <laughs> he is a coward, mm-hmm. and he is very selfish. Yeah, um, even in this book, he doesn't come off well. No, he's in the book for like two pages. Yeah doesn't look good um but cutwell is much sweeter mm-hmm. um he's funnier he's definitely likable he's always trying to help the princess who um i mean we didn't expand on this plot point but the princess who mort saved from death mm-hmm. um she is immediately forgotten by her kingdom because there's an issue with two realities being created her reality in which she's still alive isn't supposed to exist so everyone else is trying to move on with the planned reality into the actual reality um so she hires cutwell to (laughs) make people remember her (laughs) like remind everyone that she's not dead and he blasters the kingdom with posters of her face (laughs) it's pretty great this goes around telling people who she is which is so funny um and it's perfect because cutwell was trying to work on advertising himself at the beginning of the book so he gets to use his skills there and he's really messy in kind of a charming way and i had to look up treacle um because i forgot exactly what it was correct me if i'm wrong but it's like molasses yeah. right yeah it's a dark heavy syrup so him making treacle sandwiches that sounds pretty gross <laughs> I know, he also enchants sprouts to look like strawberries, but they still taste like sprouts, so nobody wants them. (laughs) Yeah, he's great. And it's valuable to have a wizard around to explain to Mort and Mm -hmm. to Kelly what is happening after um, Mm -hmm. things start to go sideways a little bit. 
Um, I love the concept of the two realities existing and the fact that when you get far enough away, you can see the the dome of the reality yeah. that's not mm -hmm. supposed to exist closing in. Yeah, um, because it's being pushed. Right. Um, and the part of the reason that Mort is so involved with Princess Kelly is that he's trying to save her from dying when that reality mm -hmm. totally closes in on itself. Yeah, although if he if he had just let it, everything would have been totally fine. I know. <laughs> but I he know. really doesn't want to let her die. And I really like that it's because you think that like he's in love with her and that he really likes her, but she doesn't care about him no. at all. And then it, he ends up um, being with Isabel, which I just really liked because I liked the development of their relationships throughout the book. Absolutely. And this is a good spot for us to talk about our badass lady meter mm. um, because there aren't... There aren't too many women in this book. Um, most of Terry Pratchett's books, I would say, have more women in them. Mm -hmm. But I think because this is so death-centric, uh, that's probably another reason why there's less sex. I mean, it's not something death is interested mm -hmm. in um, or could partake in. Yeah. <laughs> I think at one point it talks about like how he could, but that would... Um, entail creating some fleshy apparatuses and that whole idea just really turned him yeah, off. <laughs> um, and when he does start trying out human pursuits, he's interested in drinking, gambling, fishing, <laughs> fishing, <laughs> and then cooking. Dancing. I mean, he tries yeah, He partying, tries dancing, yeah. yeah he tries but he's always dancing. liked eating, which I really like. Oh my gosh, yeah. He loves curry. Yeah. One of the first things he does with Mort is take him to get curry. <laughs> And talks about how this curry is like eating. What did he? What did he say? Like hot ice. Hot cubes. ice cubes. Yeah. Which yeah. maybe it's also because death doesn't really taste. The yeah, I think that's probably part of it. He's looking for intense flavor yeah, experiences. It's yeah. like people who don't have a sense of taste because they have no sense of smell. Yeah. Um, and they prefer eating food that's highly textural mm -hmm. and has a lot going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is why Ben and Jerry's ice cream is the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Because either, ben, either or ben or Jerry, I'm sorry, I'm not one of them. sure which one, um, does not have a sense of taste. So, so that's why you put a lot of chunks in. And they also, I read their history, and they also realized when they first had their like little ice cream truck that people enjoyed chunks. Yeah. And they were like, who are we to deprive the people of what they want? Even though it costs more, we're going to do it. Everybody knew it. They're going to pay for it. Ben and Jerry, shout out. They have non-dairy options now, which are really, really good. And did you know that you can also buy just, there's small companies cropped up all over the place where you can just buy edible, chunky, mm. like, dough. It's just like cookie dough for eating, mm. not, not for baking. Um, and I looked into it because I was like, man, what if I just skip the middleman here and don't use ice cream as a conduit, you know, <laughs> between the cookie dough and my body? <laughs> but the, but the is stuff, that an experience that you want? It's like 400 calories <laughs> tablespoon. It's absurd. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, I can't buy this because I'm not responsible enough. <laughs> Just a little background. Madeline likes eating chunks out of ice cream, but yeah. not the ice cream itself. And, and I've spent truly, my life. I can't believe my family hasn't murdered me. Yeah, I've spent my life <laughs> discovering pockmarked ice cream containers in the freezer that have been mauled <laughs> um, and only contain vanilla ice cream at that point. All chunks have been 
you know, removed Mind. with something yeah. less than a it's surgeon's a terrible precision. habit. People just don't don't do it. Once you start, you can't stop. stop. That dignity is lost. There's no reclaiming it. Okay, so this should be when we start talking about pretend food, but we're going to continue with Badass Lady Meter. Let's keep oh, this yeah, segment yeah, right. straight here. Mm-hmm. Um, both Isabel and Princess Kelly are amazing women. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both really young. They're, they're teenagers. Um, yeah, Isabel is technically like 40. Right, she's been alive for but many more years. But she still very much because seems she lives, to have the mindset of a teenager. Because she lives in death's existence, which doesn't have any kind of passing of time. Mm-hmm. He tried to create it, but he couldn't quite yeah. make it work. Um, so both Albert and Isabel are just trapped in their current bodies, and Isabel gets around this by reading a lot of romance novels to try to <laughs> make herself feel stirring lady emotions. Yeah. Um, but yes, she's technically 16, I think, and mm-hmm. the princess is 15 or 16. Yeah. Um, but they're both very commanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, the princess, they make you know Terry Pratchett makes it clear that her bloodline is a royal one and she knows and how to lead to be a ruler yeah um, and she is very uh, adept at shooting glances that mm-hmm. make people do what she wants yeah even, <laughs> and even after she's disappearing from people's realities uh-huh. um, she doesn't she, take it lying down no yeah she immediately goes to Cutwell and hires him to yeah. uh just promote her mm-hmm. throughout the kingdom. Yeah. And she insists that she be coronated before the existence closes in on her and she dies so that she can die a queen. Yeah. <laughs> um and she is the she has become the leader of the kingdom because the former leader was assassinated. That mm-hmm. was one of the first deaths that Mort accompanied death on and that's why he saw the princess the first time. And he makes it uh, she makes it through to the end. Everything turns out okay cuz death helps them out. Yeah, well, because they take her to death's existence so that she escapes the closing reality. But like death does let. Them yeah, he he go makes back. it work. Yeah, in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives the pearl that the closing reality became yeah. to <laughs> Mort and Isabel as their wedding gift, which is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah I, I also really appreciated that Mort and Isabel are the ones that get together, especially because they had a fun like kind of mean courtship yeah. where they just mock one another. They're so mean to each other. Uh, but they do learn more about each other and appreciate each other. Mm-hmm. And they are, I think, similarly invested in trying to understand the mysteries of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love that at, by the end of the book, Death's just like, no, I'm doing this myself. Yeah. Like, go have your life yeah. together. I'm not gonna work with you any longer yeah because i mean, I mean Mort was it, not a good employee yeah, based on how disastrous things get yeah, i mean that makes sense. culminating in a pretty cool fight between death and Mord, yeah um, where they use their scythes to spar with one another yeah i'm pretty sure that this book has been made into a graphic novel and it i'm has. Really interested to see it now yeah. especially that fight at the end i bet it's really cool I, yeah yeah and it wouldn't make sense with for Mort to end up with the princess that would be one of those crappy like male wish fulfillment type plot points yeah. um, because it's made clear again and again just how far beneath her he yeah. and everyone else is. The only reason why she gives him any notice is because he saves her life yeah. and then it's still not much notice because she's angry at him that he screwed everything up mm-hmm. so much. Yeah, he really did. And it was because he was having his first adolescent um, passions mm-hmm. that he saves her because she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't take on the importance that it, I think it would in a lot of similar stories. Mm-hmm. And it's not what is the focus for her character. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think that they're both really cool characters. Mm-hmm. I I wish that I've already talked about the witches of Discworld a few times, and um, I wish that there were more witches in this book because they are really really fun mm-hmm. um, and very much in control of their destinies. Mm-hmm. Um, so badass lady meter is gonna be uh, up there. I'd rate it. Um, I guess I would like for the first time. I'd rate time. it a marriage between two plain characters and the princess going on to rule her kingdom by herself. What? <laughs> oh, oh, a I marriage see. that's not okay. motivated by like appearances or right, beauty right. Or, yeah, yeah, it's just so like two funny people who fall in love with each yeah, other. Yeah, unique individuals who do have attractiveness going for them in specific ways, but it's much more important. Um, their strengths and personalities. Yes, yeah. exactly. Grammatically, I've I tripped over yours, but now I understand what you were saying. This is the first book we've read that didn't have a female protagonist. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um, unique in that. But it's usually hard to call any one character a protagonist in a Terry Pratchett book mm-hmm. because there's so much going on and intertwining storylines. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, Mort is a clear protagonist mm-hmm. in this one, which I think is another reason why this book feels a little easier to read than mm-hmm. some of his others. Because um, it doesn't jump around quite so much. Yeah, Terry Pratchett doesn't like chapters, um, mm-hmm. as you probably noticed, uh, and he prefers to just continue to intertwine and let things carry their full course mm-hmm. and not worry about dividing it up. Yeah, I mean, the man had so many stories in him that it just kind of like flooded out of him and ended up in books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mystery budget. It's time for pretend food. food. I've already talked about food a lot. I really want to come up with a little segment intro. I'll create that. That one was pretty good. That tandem off key. (laughs) (laughs) Just us like attempting to harmonize in the moment. We can do some garage band action. Try one more time. Ready? Pretend food. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There is lots of good food in this book. Terry Pratchett loves food. He's a food fan. He's on my team. I mean, most humans are food fans, but people who obsess over the description of food and enjoy creating food. He definitely is into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just have a little list of a few different things. We already mentioned the curry and the black broccoli. And the treacle sandwiches. <laughs> the treacle sandwiches. <laughs> then the drink with the cherry on a stick that makes death so mad. <laughs> he does, he does not like cherries in his drinks. But then he goes and has 47 cocktails yeah. um, created with various disgusting ageless liqueurs. Yeah, Terry Pratchett was really into not just describing food, but I think one of the first we've encountered like liquor. Part of it is probably that this is this is the first explicitly adult book that we're covering. It's not classified right. yeah. as YA mm-hmm. by anyone. So there's going to be more mention of alcohol adult than pursuits. in uh, the other fantasy we've covered. Um, but between Death having his 47 cocktails with various vegetation um, inside each glass mm-hmm. and Scrumble, which is one of my favorites. Scrumble! My favorite, like, you know, because it's an old trope, the, like, 
oh, that liquor is so crazy. Yeah. Like, we give it to newcomers to but see them fall over. this sounds actually poisonous. It burns the tiles once after like, it falls so on the ground. How could you put it in your body? No, and I, I love the line about, like, once they think that Mort is being affected by this grumble, he's actually just freaking out because he can see reality yeah. closing in around him. But that's when they feel comfortable again. Yeah, then they're like, oh, okay, no, this happens to everyone. You'll just have a headache for a few weeks, but just a drop of scrumble and you'll be fine yeah <laughs> that concept that once you start drinking scrumble you can never stop <laughs> yeah scrumble's amazing um also shout out to albert's porridge that cooking sounds disgusting the, the porridge led a private life of its own in the depths of its saucepan and ate spoons that's so fantastic <laughs> God, I it it was hard for me in preparing for this episode to not just transcribe the entire oh, book and just read quotes. I know it's true. Um, it's it's so so funny. I another one I wrote down just below that was Albert trying to tell Mort fairy tales from the olden days, mm-hmm. and he's getting a little poetic. Then he says, "Princesses were as beautiful as the day is long, and so noble that they could pee through a dozen mattresses." <laughs> and then Mort's like, "What?" And then always like, "Oh, never mind. I don't know. What am I talking about?" And then he fight, he hears someone later say, "Like, can she feel a pee through a dozen mattresses?" And then he's like relieved or something like, "Oh, oh okay, oh, okay, okay. Now I understand what was supposed to happen." Yeah, no, there. I think I laughed out loud when I found the pee through a dozen mattresses. Um, there's also the description of the many amazing cuisines of Ankh-Mor pork yeah. um, in the introduction to Harga's House of Ribs, which mm. is the restaurant that Death goes to cook for. Yeah, yeah. Um, which with all the, also it's a great line that you didn't need a menu, you just needed to look at Harga's vest to know what was available that day. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> and then rounding out my pretend food list, just um, bowls of milk and Harga's best meat for the neighborhood cats. Yeah. Which death scatters across the kitchen floor while he's working in the restaurant. It's just full of cats. Um, and he's amazing at his job cooking, mm-hmm. uh, which he's is a really good nice cook. Food. Um, component and he can produce even impossible items like an alligator sandwich mm-hmm. um, which Harga isn't sure it is actually alligator but it yeah. looks convincing enough um, mm-hmm. he can produce it in mere seconds is there any other pretend food that you'd like to honor I think about Albert's eggs too you mentioned his cooking his eggs are just like swimming in Grease. Grease. There was one point where Mort invents a word to describe his eggs. He calls them jugly. It's J U U G L G L Y. I don't think that's a British word. No, because Isabel says, like, what's jugly? Right. Yes, that's a made up word. Um, (laughs) Although there is a jugly.tumblr.com, so I I shouldn't have just given that a call out. It could be horrifying. Yeah, Grace, what are you doing? Oh, it, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's a wrapper. It looks like, yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Um, good. <laughs> yes. I wonder if he knows that. Probably not. We no. Yeah, I think. Him let him I know think that that's just a coincidence. Terry Pratchett used his name for something. Anyway, seven. Anyways, his eggs sound so gross, and he talks about he's like trying to figure out if it was time to change the grease in the pan or right. if he should leave it for another two weeks and I was well it made me feel better because I've totally done that before like made pancakes 
one morning and then shoved the van back in the cupboard, got it out. I'm like, oh, it's still greasy it's from last time. Pancakes. Be additional pancakes happening here. Pancakes no problems with, it with that. And Isabel also comments when they're looking at Albert's life book to try to figure out who he is. Oh, yeah. um, that you know, Mort says, "Careful with the candle. You don't want to get grease on his life." And yeah. He's like, oh, he loves it so much. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah. So, delicious food and disgusting food mm. all has a place in Discworld. Uh, speaking of the Terry Pratchett's books as related to classic fantasy, mm-hmm. there were I thought a, a number of similarities between this and the Last Unicorn. Um, mm. One of the most prominent being the humans inability to see things that they're not supposed to see which is huge in the last unicorn and a really important part of the plot Mm -hmm. um and it's not it is hard for people to see death unless he really wants to be seen and then he um just freaks him out like when he goes to apply for a job yeah he lets him see him (laughs) lets the interviewer see him because he's so um fed up with death's lack of skills yeah He finally just tells them that he's skilled with agricultural implements. Um, implements. <laughs> <laughs> After giving a florid description of his job yeah. as, you know, the keeper of all souls. Mm-hmm. And blah, yeah, blah, blah. I love his, like, titles that come out sometimes. Yeah, this this book and all Discworld books are great for lengthy and ridiculous titles yeah. of all kinds. Uh-huh. There are a few in here. So we've already broached adult readability a little bit because this is a book for adults. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> we were pretty solid in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, I don't think we're stretching the rules by including it on our YA fantasy podcast because for me it was YA. I mean, I was 11 mm-hmm. when I first read the Death Trilogy. No, and we're not going to switch over into adult fantasy or anything. I just think that in the interest of expanding and being well-rounded mm-hmm. and because, like you say, this was really important. I recommend this book for preteens. I think it is gr- a great introduction to some larger themes um, and a discussion of life and death and yeah. like your own personal importance in the scheme of the universe. And I've also read a lot of proponents of like as soon as you are able to even comprehend some of it, you should just start reading adult books mm-hmm. when you're a kid. I mean, look at. Look at the the classics that they have you read in school that, yeah. I mean... And those are just punishing. Like, they're yeah. not even really... A lot of them aren't enjoyable. I reads. read East of Eden when I was, like, 12 or 13, and I just hated it because I, it was so bleak and awful. And honestly, I think they should have them reading fantasy instead because <laughs> it's so much more enjoyable. The writing can still be absolutely brilliant, as Terry Pratchett shows, and... And there are still you can find fantasy books with the import the same important themes that are addressed in these you know great classics of fiction mm-hmm. American fiction yeah it's you know mostly what we read because we were we are sadly Americans <laughs> um, we were <laughs> but no longer <laughs> I don't know what I am anymore um, but ways. this I mean I was thinking about how. Uh, this book reminded me of some of the classics that I read, um, especially in the moments of when the landscape is really beautifully described, especially when Death and Mort are riding Binky um, up above Discworld. Oh, and yeah. there's these discussions of how the light is moving mm-hmm. and 
um, just how gorgeous it is. But there's always a joke. <laughs> like there, are, there are these really poetic descriptions, but they always end. That's with true. A, yeah. A, oh, and boop. In Terry Pratchett's writing, everything is anthropomorphized. It's the light, fate, time mm -hmm. to a certain extent. I really he talks a lot about how light behaves in disc world. Um, so that's really cool to see, like from a above perspective and talking about the way that these different elements are interacting with each other yeah and i was uh, i got distracted but i was going to say that you can find fantasy books with important historical themes that matter oh, to totally. us like race and class mm -hmm. and immigration mm -hmm. i mean things that are informing you know what we should care about as adults mm -hmm. even if it's not set in america I think sometimes that's more valuable mm -hmm. because you're able to view things in a more objective way. Yeah, and if understand it's about a fantasy from world, a new perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I don't. And this is not a political book. We're not saying that it is. No, but um, like, I don't know if this it, it would work for all people. But I've read a lot of fantasy books in which there is just blatant racism, and mm -hmm. it's always just so easy to be like, oh yeah, you know, that's. That's awful. Those people are bad. Um, I don't know. So sometimes it, it might be easier for kids to just identify, you know, before they get into the more subtle ways that racism affects and destroys yeah. people to be able to see from a macro point, mm. just to be able to identify like there's no reason right. to say that one person is better than the other. And I think that a lot of fantasy does a really good job of that. Yeah, I agree. Very well put. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I was also going to say that I did enjoy rereading this more as an adult. I mean, I've read this trilogy many times, mm -hmm. um, but each time I do gain something new. And as <clears throat> an elder person, <laughs> Grace is so old, I'm really people. old. <laughs> I already told you my birth year was 1987, so I guess I can't really pretend, but. Um, I love how playful Terry Pratchett is with different literary devices and with language itself. Mm. Um, like when uh, the thieves who try to rob Mort are speaking with dashed out words that look like yes! curses. Yes. And then after one of them says something, uh, Terry Pratchett, the narrator, says he had perfectly pronounced four dashes. In yeah, a yeah. Um, and then the, the, when Mort opens, uh, I think it's I think it's Albert's life book, mm -hmm. and the language is really difficult. And yeah, like three letters. Uh -huh. You know, it used like three ends at a time. Um, and Mort says, "Oh, it's written in old before spelling was invented." Yeah, which I really enjoy. Um, and then I also love when. Terry Pratchett switches from the princess uh, saying to someone, there's something you need to know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, next paragraph, Death said, what? <laughs> and yeah. underneath, then the narrator says, isn't that a cool cinematic trick? Yeah, he starts talking about for it. Print? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Terry Pratchett is so it's, meta. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's the most meta. Before yeah. meta became popular, yeah, before yeah, it became a true. cool thing, uh -huh. at a point where you know, people who were n new to his books. I mean, I remember being new to his books and being like, "What is happening?" Yeah, but it's really uh -huh. fun. Yeah. I mean, you're just on a roller coaster the entire That's time. Great. Um, and yeah, back then this book felt 
very modern and it still feels modern today. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, yeah, it doesn't feel dated no, at all. No, not at all. Um, so uh, adult readability is max, max, max. Yeah, 100%. 100% readability. <laughs> I love all our metrics. They don't make any no, sense. No, not at all. But that's, um, I prefer that. But there are. Yes. <laughs> we haven't talked about dragon sightings. There are zero dragons in this book, sadly. Yeah, I don't um, think that there are reference. There are dragons in Discworld, um, but they're not. Doesn't it not say here. briefly like someone's pet mud dragon yeah. ran away or something <laughs> very brief reference and I don't know what a mud dragon is it might just be like a frog <laughs> yeah it, it doesn't could mean anything yeah so not a, not a dragon nor a dragon baby but um so you mentioned we've we you know on most of our episodes we do discuss film adaptations just because most of what we covered has had some kind of um, mm-hmm. adaptation made but there is a graphic novel of this i know there was also a musical of it at some yeah, point yeah yeah i um, saw that when i googled it which it's really would be so much fun to yeah. see but i don't i doubt it's in production <laughs> at this point <laughs> But if you've seen the musical, please tell us about please it. Let us know. We can't even get tickets to Hamilton, so no, <laughs> we're not gonna manage that one. Hamilton's not that important. I'd rather see more at the musical. <laughs> I wondered where that was going. <laughs> okay, so just to sum things up, um, recommended reading. I heartily encourage you to yes, so read move on book. with Reaper Man after Mort. Mm-hmm. Um, Reaper Man is a delight. And if you don't have a mother that owns every Terry Pratchett book, just start buying them. They're you really, have no reason not really to. There are really affordable versions of the paperbacks mm-hmm, um, that's true. that are easy to find. And you could find used ones. And, yeah, go on Amazon, get used mm-hmm. ones. They're so cheap. So I do want to give one final shout out to, although he's certainly not listening, that camp counselor that I knew <laughs> as a kid. He introduced our entire family to Terry Pratchett. He was like one of the good counselors. He was really really fun and smart. Yeah. I mean, it stunned me. A month after camp, I got a huge package filled with books. And he was was like, they're so cheap in the UK. Like, seriously, don't worry about it. Because I was kind of stressed. I was like, what is this? What's happening? Um, And uh, yeah, just said, like, here, these are my favorites. So Mm -hmm. enjoy them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are always moments in your life you look back on where it's like an older, kind person mm-hmm. intervened and helped you out. helped me in some way. And it totally changed my life. But like to them, it was just, you know, paying 10 pounds <laughs> to uh, 10 quid. To book. <laughs> We're trying to be British again. <laughs> it's always embarrassing um, to, you know, like ship some old paperbacks mm-hmm. to yeah. me um but it meant a lot so yeah i thanks it. guy yeah thanks sean if you love terry pratchett if you love more if you have questions or comments about this episode or the book please let us know we'd love to hear from you you can find our website at dragonbabiespodcast.com we are on twitter at dragonbabiespod and we are now on Instagram. Yeah. So if you want to see some pictures of books that we own. And um, books with cats. And books with cats next to them. Uh, books with nail polish in front of the, uh, Books with Polished nails. Polished snails. Nails. <laughs> Resting books. upon them while, whilst I, I reading. We don't polish the books. <laughs> that was misleading. Maybe I'll start, though. Yeah, Maybe that, that would be fun. nice. I don't know. That's a good way to spend my time. Definitely, it's productive. 
um, yeah, hit us up. Mm-hmm. We would love to connect with you. Um, and for now, we'll just say goodbye. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Bye-bye. If you'd like to learn more about Dragon Babies, you can find us online at dragonbabiespodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at dragonbabiespod. That's P-O-D, the first syllable of podcast. Songs used in this episode are Pippin the Hunchback and Thatched Villagers, both by Kevin McLeod and licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Thanks for listening.